It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio. Manning with three receivers. Back goes Manning again. He steps up. He's got him again at the 41. Vinny Carey has a sack. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. to episode number 103. We're having a training camp party up in here. And we thank you so much for joining us right here on BGN Radio on BleedingGreenNation.com. And I got to tell you, you guys have been doing a, a fantastic job of rating and rescribing, uh, rescribing? <laughs> subscribing <laughs> on iTunes. Uh, we have gotten a lot of new reviews and all that other good stuff. I know BLG put out a post, but just want to reiterate that every time that we start a show if you are listening to us through iTunes and you have subscribed and all that stuff, we want definitely want your feedback, good or bad, for sure. Rate us. It helps kind of grow the show and do all that stuff. And and once again, everybody, we have broken a new download record. Like, it is it is insane. It's just the numbers keep going up and up and up, and we really appreciate all the support, especially through the offseason. There's not a lot going on, but please rate and subscribe. If you're on Stitcher, rate and subscribe there. SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Let's make this thing blow up and grow, uh, just like our man who I'm going to talk to to my left here, uh, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowden, editor-in-chief of BleedingGreenNation.com. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, hey, is this uh, John Barchard of 97.5? Is, is that it, him? I think it might be. I think it might be. We're going to be doing it again this Saturday uh, from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Me and Chris Tuber are uh, going to be on the air again. So, uh, yeah, I heard uh, BLG got his uh, his uh, famous radio plug from Aton Shedder this, uh, this Saturday, too. So, uh, looks like we're going to be doing a lot of this stuff, and we might have some bigger news regarding 97.5 and BGN Radio and all that good stuff. Uh, but uh, the good thing is, and I can't wait to hear his glorious 
hot takes on Devontae Davis, Byron Jones, Nelson Aguilar, and all that goodness. We welcome back to the program lead draft writer, Mr. Ben Natan. What's happening, buddy? Everything is great, um, and I'm ready to to burn down this episode with my <laughs> flaming hot takes. Burn down. Boom, boom, boom. Burn down house. Patrick Wall uh, to, sitting to my right, looking beautiful as always. And uh, if you haven't noticed the theme here, all three of these guys were at uh, have been at training camp this week. So that's why we're going to de- uh, dive deep into that. But Patrick, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, just hanging out. Excited that there's football to talk about. And uh, finally. You know, it was nice to it was nice to see the guys yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Patrick Wall also joining us over at the phillyinfluencer.com, which is run by Sean Brace. Uh, and is uh, going to be a part of the podcast and all that good stuff over there. So lots of stuff that's going on with uh, BLG. Let's let's just start with the meat and potatoes here as we are all excited to finally see some football action. What are some of the things you liked, didn't like, uh, just out of training camp over the past couple of days here, bud? Well, I think you have to start with the quarterbacks. Obviously, everyone wants to know about them. Uh, kind of a mixed training camp so far for the quarterbacks. I mean, the first day, I would say all the quarterbacks kind of looked rusty. Obviously, it was just like so obvious that it was the first training camp practice. No one looked all that sharp. I think maybe Sanchez maybe looked the best that day, but really no clear starter there uh, as far as, you know, who, a guy who's separating themselves from the pack. Although, you know, Bradford has taken most, if not all, uh, or of the first team reps. I think Sanchez got a little bit of work with the first team on Monday. That was a really short amount of time. I think it's so clear that this really isn't much of a quarterback competition. I think you know Bradford's ahead. But with that said, uh, I don't think Bradford has done a whole lot to really separate himself from Sanchez. I, I definitely think he's ahead, but I just don't think it's it's a big, huge gap right now. But I still do expect Bradford to beat the guy. Ben uh, was paying a lot of attention to the wide receivers. Of course, his boy, uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Matthews, actually, it's probably going to be all our boys by the end of the season. Just coming out looking really sharp. And uh, I guess what was the most impressive thing that you saw out of that group there, uh, Ben? Immediately from individual drills, it was kind of clear that Jordan Matthews was just playing at a different speed than all the different receivers. And obviously when you're just kind of going up against air, it's not a great litmus test on how good a player is. But then when you saw uh, him go up against uh, Malcolm Jenkins and some of the other defensive backs and one-on-ones, you saw him either separating immediately out of his breaks or making big plays at the catch point. And then into team drills, he was making plays over the middle, in traffic, on the run. I mean, he and the way that he's practicing and the kind of the aggression and speed that he was practicing at was just stood out to me so much more than the other players. Uh, it was really fun to watch him practice, actually, because there was such an energy to, to what he was bringing on the field. And I, I just get giddy watching watching him practice because it you just that that energy uh, really revert. Re- rever- reverberates off the field uh, and you can really feel that whereas a lot of the other guys just kind of felt like they were practicing yeah Patrick in some of the other things that we were just noticing around is you know still not a lot of talk with with the cornerbacks I guess there was sometimes other than Byron Maxwell was was there anything that was really standing out in the secondary for you yeah nothing at this point I mean I really think you know you have to keep in mind that it is the third day of camp or yesterday or Tuesday I guess was the third day of camp um but even still, I mean, it's it's probably going to be a lot like this. I really don't know. You know, we, when going into the season, we were talking about how, um, you know, this cornerback group is okay, but doesn't really excite you in a lot of ways. And unfortunately, I think we're going to kind of see that carry over into camp, at least for the, for the beginning of camp. Um, and again, Eric Rowe, uh, anytime you want to show up, buddy. 
<laughs> we, we'd love to see you wherever you are. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I, I think we're probably just still overreacting to to everything that we're seeing on the field there, BLG. I mean, there's, there's still, you know, since we're going to get to the Boykin release, and I know that's been dominating, like, basically since, since the entire weekend, and it's been crazy with the amount of takes that's been going on uh, with all that stuff. But, you know, with this, and this is just my theory here, BLG, and I don't know if it's, uh, I feel like, Kelly and Davis and everybody else kind of wants their wide receivers just like their CBs. So when you have, you know, I expect them to be in base most of the time this year since Boykin's gone now. Now they have these other guys are in here. I I don't know. uh, What are the chances that they're going to throw in Byron Maxwell in the slot? What are the chances that they're just going to leave those four guys to be interchangeable on the field, uh, just like their wide receivers hope to be as well? Well, I think Billy Davis said uh, that they're they're really the the cornerbacks that they're not looking at in the slot are are Maxwell, although obviously he proved he can do that. Did a pretty good job of shutting down Jordan Matthews last year. I don't think you would see that very often. I think that's more of like a matchup specific thing. If there was really a slot receiver they wanted to shut down, uh, you know, Carroll again, they said they really want to keep him on the outside or maybe, you know, maybe they'll use him in the dime. Don't really want to use him in the nickel. And then with Rowe, they're really, they want to keep him on the outside because that, that's where they think he belongs. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Ja'Cory Shepard has looked good. And now this isn't just, revisionist history either we're not this isn't or this doesn't isn't just because Boykin is gone so the next guy all of a sudden looks great no it's not that case that's not the case at all uh Shepard had a great spring thought he looked really good stood out there for as much as you can without pads and obviously a heralded player coming out of college he was called one of the biggest steals of the draft uh Clint Trickett former quarterback college quarterback said he hadn't seen Shepard had a long pass completed on him ever in like two years of film yeah, study. I remember that. So it's just, he's just a really impressive player. I think they actually are going to feel good about playing a decent amount of nickel. I think they really like him. And I think that's part of why Boykin was traded. If, if they didn't get Shepard and they didn't feel comfortable th- about the depth there, I don't think they would have made the move. Yeah, no, not at all. And um, Ben, I want to jump back just to the wide receivers uh, for a little bit and, one of the guys that we've been basically championing for a long time, or at least most of us have here, is Josh Huff. And there's there's still, I think it's pretty much a 50-50 divide line as far as, hey, this guy's going to be great and jump out here, or hey, let's let's not, you know, put a crown on him too fast going into his second year. But I, you know, I heard and saw a lot of a lot of Bradford to Josh Huff connection type of feel. Is that the new man crush going on? Because that excites me very much. So, uh, I wouldn't say it's the man crush because I think that. Uh, Bradford was targeting Matthew so much yesterday, but I would say that Josh Huff looks like a, like a wide receiver and obviously he didn't get a lot of playing time last year. And when he was coming out of college, there was, you know, a lot of talk about his rawness and, and ability or inability uh, rather to transition to like being a polished NFL wide receiver. And yesterday he was doing a phenomenal job getting a release off the line, you know, very good footwork. His, his route running looked very good. Uh, and he had a beautiful deep catch down the field uh, where it just, you know, perfectly played the ball. Uh, and it was a great throw too to score a touchdown. I think it was on EJ Biggers. Um, but the thing that really stood out to me about Huff is his ability to transition from a receiver to a runner and how quickly he can just kind of make that shift and then create yards after the catch. And I think that's why he was drafted in the first place is his ability to create yards with the ball in his hands. Uh, And he's going to be a really dangerous weapon, be it down the field on slants or even on screens for this team. 
and he's going to be able to be moved around the entire offense uh, where he can create yards after the catch. And you really saw that kind of versatile weapon uh, during practice yesterday. And we'll stick on the offense, uh, offensive side of the ball here, P. Wall. And, uh, you know, of course, we've <laughs> the it's 2027 and Zach Hertz is going to break out finally this year. Uh, but. You know, I, I just feel like there is, they, there's a lot of, again, well, you're going to hear this with basically every player, like coming in with great shape, best shape of his life. I know we're even here that with with Jason Peters and, and all that other good stuff here, but uh, just for first impressions, does it look like he's ready to take a step up? And I know that's a huge projection to just kind of base off of a couple of practices here, but uh, it seems like he's always involved 7-on-7, seven 11-11 seven, 11, 11, uh, like as one of the main targets as well. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head, John. And I think at a certain point, too, when you're talking about a guy like Zach Ertz, I mean, like, the guy's got a ton of talent. At some point, it just becomes a waste to not get him the ball, right? I mean, I think yesterday in practice you saw, uh, you know, he was moved around the formation a little bit, he and Darren Sproles. Um, and, you know, he's just such a good player and he's such a versatile kind of a tight end that, you know, if you can't find a way to use him, that's on the system and not and not on him at a certain point. Um, you know, he's saying all the right things so far about his blocking and, you know, he's improving and all that. I mean, we'll see. First preseason game is astoundingly only uh, 11 days away. Um, but, you know, at, at this point, I really think that that he's going to be a, a bigger focal point in the offense. And and you're seeing them kind of get younger all around at, at the at the skill position player uh, positions on offense. And um, I expect Ertz to be kind of one of those guys who who actually takes that step this year. Yeah, and BLG, that's the thing, too. I know they kind of played around with it last year, and we always thought, oh, hey, you know, Sproles in the slot or on the outside or Ertz in the, you know, uh, it, it, with the same thing. That's going to really help, you know, kind of create more mismatches out there. And that really didn't happen going into, you know, last season. But I just figure with the turnover at wide receiver, Macklin's not here. You're going to have to have some support somewhere while Nelson Aguilar kind of gets, you know, gets going here and I know he hasn't been having like some of the great uh, the great practices early is dropping balls and all that good stuff but do you expect them to finally kind of leave those two out on the field at some point just to you know create those mismatches this year I think uh, just having more running back depth really helps Sproles uh, as far as the slot goes too I think you know they they feel like they don't have to worry about him getting hurt or so much there you know because last year obviously only had McCoy in front of him and then him and then Chris Polk, who was always banged up anyway and who might become a starter in Texas. How about that? Uh, that's off topic. Um, yeah, I think you could see Sproles more involved in the passing game. There was a, a couple series on Tuesday where, you know, Sanchez went to him on back-to-back plays and he looked great against coverage, getting wide open. Uh, I think that's definitely an option. Ertz, you know, it's still weird with Ertz because, you know, Selick is around and you feel like, all right, they're going to be a run-heavy offense, and they're going to want a good blocker. So you feel like Selleck isn't just going to be, you know, sitting on the bench. You, you just don't get that sense. But at the same time, Ertz is just too good of a receiving threat. And from what Chip Kelly has said and Ertz's tight end coach has said, I mean, his blocking has apparently improved. He's worked on it in the offseason. He's, he's easily one of the hardest working players on the team, so I totally buy that. But I guess we're going to have to see how it looks in the preseason and everything before he can totally overtake Selleck. I definitely think he'll play more than he did last year. You saw that jump from rookie season to last year. He didn't make the jump people were expecting, but he still played a lot more. His role grew. I think you definitely see that again this year. Yeah, now uh, just a couple other notes as, as we're going along here. Obviously, Travis Long has been put on 
injured reserve, which would have freed up a, a spot, but they also been released camp uh, hero and all time going to be wide receiver number two, Devontae Davis. So it uh, doesn't even make it a couple of three days out of camp. Uh, and they also sign uh, Daheem Watkins, who's from UAB. And at, of note, I believe one of the assistants uh, coached him on the defensive line. So that makes the most sense there. But buddy, pal, what happened? Devontae Davis, the red zone threat that, that the Eagles finally need is, is no longer here. What happened? Let me let me defend myself for a second. Um, the issue is, is one, I probably overrated him. Um, <laughs> so that's the first issue. Honest, I like that. Good man. <laughs> and okay. the second issue is the type of player he is is he is the catch point guy and he's not going to separate that much because he's kind of slow, but with the ball in the air, like the, the idea was he was going to kick your ass with the ball in the air. And the issue is in practice, he's not going to get a lot of targets because he's not separating unless he's a quarterback. who's just kind of willing to, you know, throw it up to him. Uh, and I guess, I mean, the quarterbacks just weren't doing that because, you know, Jordan Matthews is wide open constantly and Josh Huff is getting open and Zachary is getting open. So why would you, target the or i mean why would you target the guy at all who isn't getting open so right that's probably <laughs> i mean yes yeah, which i mean it, it's it's kind of a fun because like if he ended up on a team that is just filled with slow receivers like carolina or something uh and they just started throwing the ball up to him i feel like he could he could be pretty pretty damn good but uh it just wasn't the right situation for him which is frustrating but uh yeah Take the heat on that. Well, we'll have to we'll have to pour one out for Devontae Davis and Ben and Brent you know, Schwartz. In twenty years when he's when he's giving his Hall of Fame speech, I'll uh, I'll be sure to to hit you guys up. Okay, good, good. <laughs> fantastic. Well, um, and you know, it's a the the other thing that was kind of bouncing around this week, and uh, I don't know, I I don't know, Patrick. I I feel like it's a pretty it's a pretty easy thing where it would benefit both sides, but you know, I, we keep hearing that Sam Bradford wouldn't just go out and sign an extension for whatever, for a two-year deal, doesn't make sense for him, plenty of money in the bank, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to myself, but I don't know. Is there any uh, – I don't I don't see a, a big downside from trying to extend Bradford for – even if it's just another year, just to have another year cushion, but do you really expect that to happen before the season starts here? Not really, no. I mean, you're still going to talk about – he needs to make it through the preseason. I mean, I want to see him play. I'm sure the coaching staff wants to see him play in this offense. I mean, um, it, in my view, he looked like clearly the best quarterback on the team yesterday during practice. Um, and I imagine he's going to show that during the preseason as well. But, I mean, if you if you want to re-sign him, I would guess that he's he's not super inclined to take a one-year deal, uh, maybe like a, like a two-year deal with an option or something like that. But, I, I I think my opinion of it kind of stays the same that it was before where, you know, what's what's the incentive for him? I mean, the money thing aside, yeah, he's made a lot of money, but, you know, who doesn't want more money? Um, I just think that he's going to have the chance to test the market. And if he plays well, you know, it could be a big payday, although I think uh, either way, that's kind of a dumb move on his part. But, yeah, I, just, I really don't see it. I just think the Eagles need to be a little more aggressive here, BLG. And I don't know if it's going to get done. I don't know what they're comfortable with either. Like, I, I have a feeling that when they first approached this, that it was more towards Sanchez-type money, you know, like $8 million, $9 million, somewhere around there. I'm really okay if you're if you're putting them up in that 12 to $15 million range as a cap number, guaranteeing him 25 to 30 
and signing him for whatever it is, two or three more years. So it allows him to still have that bigger contract. For me, I just I, I would want the Eagles to be pretty aggressive here. And I've mentioned this before, but I, I just feel like if you're trading a second rounder, no matter of health, no matter if it works out or not, whatever, trading a second rounder for a quarterback for, for one year of quarterback play seems kind of ridiculous to me. And, it, and it's going to cause more issues in the offseason, in my opinion, than trying to get it done than it is right now. But I, I want your thoughts on this as well. I think the Eagles have every intent of doing it. I think they are the ones who want to get it done. I just don't think... You know, I think it's Bradford's side who is definitely just more reluctant because there's really just no rush for them. I mean, I think in an ideal world, in a short-term contract would be perfect because it's kind of what the Eagles did with Kevin Cobb. If you guys, you know, remember that back in 2010, the way where, back yeah, absolutely, yeah, his his rookie deal was up, so they gave him uh, it was like a 12.26 million dollar deal, and all those guaranteed. It was just for the one year, which made sense because you know it gives you the control of him, uh, but. You know, I just don't see why Bradford is going to do that. You know, Cobb was a rookie and, you know, he wanted that money and it made a lot of sense. Uh, Bradford doesn't really owe any loyalty to the Eagles. I mean, you, you figure maybe that's a factor, but that's just on good faith. And, you know, you're valuing, you're weighing millions of dollars against good faith. And I really don't see why Bradford would really just want to rush into it like that. But like, again, I, I totally agree with you, John, that the Eagles should have every interest in doing it because you know it, it's it's a one-year deal you're just you're not like you you need a quarterback and if Bradford is going to be the guy and you have this much faith in him I mean why not you got to give him that year it could be a bargain for that year you know because if he has this huge year which some people think he might if he can stay healthy I mean then you're gonna have to pay top dollar and you could argue that's a good problem to have but at the same time, it's going to limit really. your. It, well, I what's that? I don't think it's a good problem to have. But well, it's a go good ahead. problem. That, well, I think it's a good problem to have good quarterback play. Oh, sure, I mean, sure, I think sure. It's a great Absolutely, problem. yeah, yeah. But I, but yeah, it's going to limit your spending ability if you're going to have to pay top dollar as opposed to trying to get him at a discount. I just don't see any reason why he would want to get a deal done now. I don't understand why Bradford wouldn't want thirty million dollars guaranteed with the, with an ability to redo the contract in a, again for another payday. I don't know. I don't not understand how you couldn't set it up that way. It's not really because like, he could probably make more, right? He could yeah, if he just gonna, waits, he could make a lot more. Like but a he, lot, could, lot he more. could break his knee at week nine and be done, and then. But I think he's set. That's the problem. He's set right now. He's man. made so much already. I can't, can't, he didn't hold on to every. Everybody quotes sixty-five million dollars. You think he held on to every single penny? Come on. There's just, a video of Sam Bradford online talking oh, yeah, about the table tennis, only thing right? he spent on his money was a ping pong table. Yeah, but that was in like 2010. I'm sure he's bought something like pretty nice by now. A car, a pool. Guy is talking about, about another ping pong table. Yeah, two ping yeah. pong tables, BLG. If he's bragging about ping pong tables, though, I'm, I like. I don't think anyone would fake brag about ping pong tables. I think that guy is just a really big ping pong guy. Well, then, Ben, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, what is your limit on giving Sam Bradford an extension to get it done now rather than later. And is there really a need to do that? If he wants that big money, is that just setting yourself up for disaster? I mean, I just kind of give him that Andy Dalton type of contract, just like all the guaranteed money up front and then pay as you go after that. Um, I don't think he would take that because I mean, that doesn't really help him at all. He just kind of ends up betting on himself from year to year, but that would probably be in the best interest of the team. But at this point, he just has a ton of guaranteed money that he's getting. So he has no, I mean, he kind of has a lot more. I mean, he doesn't need to sign a new 
new extension. I mean, the Eagles would probably want to sign him right now rather than possibly have to pay him quite a bit after the season if he, you know, plays up to expectations. But I don't see him doing it. Yeah, and I suppose they can still they can still tag him, right? If, if Eagles would have the option anyway after yeah, this year? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so, definitely. So maybe, maybe not. But then, you know, again, a good problem to have if you have to pay him whatever it is, $22 million for the year going into and try and work out a deal from there. So I don't know. I would just... The Eagles should be, just like everybody else was saying, I think the Eagles should be very aggressive in trying to get this done right now. Obviously, everybody thinks it's not going to happen, so we're going to have to roll with that. But uh, the major issue of this week, obviously, is that Chip Kelly is a racist again. You know. Again. uh, Yeah, again. Again, it just kind of popped out here. I just, I don't know. There's so many different ways to look at this thing. And I went on the air Sunday, and as it was all kind of happening, and everybody's, chaotic takes were all coming in on the phone lines on Twitter on everything else and we we're just trying to figure it out and I went on this kind of you know b- big long thing here BLG I don't really I still don't really see anything else other than this this being a football move and it really just changed the whole thing once Boykin opened his or texted open his mouth and gun uh, you know reported it and then he changed his mind and now everybody has that stuck in their head and I, I, I don't know I just uh I, I still feel that along with everybody that this is it's still going to you know revolve around Chip, Chip Kelly as long as Riley Cooper's here. And we talked about that a lot, but I don't know. Where does where does it uh, kind of go from here? I think, you know, everyone you know looks at all the statements that have been made at this point with Shady and uh, Trey Thomas earlier in the offseason and and the study that the Eagles had the whitest roster last year. Uh, and, you know, everyone's looking at that and, and then Riley Cooper and they're, they're just for some people. There's just too much stuff to to think there is an issue. And I don't think most people actually think Chip Kelly is racist. That's not that's really not the main issue. Uh, the first take people might say that, but, you know, that's that's what first take is. You know, that's not and, and it's and not Ronnie like Jones. a real opinion. Yeah, it's 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 not real stuff. So I, I think the issue is just that. You know, they, they, we've seen Chip Kelly players say that, you know, he just maybe he, there are some problems connecting with the players, which I think is a little silly because, you know, again, this is this is a it's a profession and Chip Kelly is a boss. I mean, you, you might not have the best relationship with your boss. Uh, you might not talk all the time. You might not hang out. And maybe it's a little different in football. You're spending probably a lot more time. This isn't it's not just a nine to five job. It's a it's really intense personal job, I would say. I really don't see uh, – I don't want to say I don't see an issue because I don't want to just be dismissive of these criticisms because there might be something to them. I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not the player. I don't have that perspective. But I don't think this is some huge issue. And if it is an issue, how do you fix it? I mean, what do you do? Get rid of Chip Kelly? I mean, that, that seems like <laughs> yeah. a huge overreaction. It's just not every pl- – it's just not every coach is the same. I think you saw Andy Reid – uh, a lot of people say he was a player's coach, and maybe that was true to some extent. But there was a thing. There, well, well, you say that, but then you look at quotes from a, a Jason Kelsey interview back in 2013, Chip's first year here, and Jason Kelsey spoke very open and very honest and said that he felt like sometimes you know you couldn't even talk to Andy because he, he had built up such a reputation here, and he said some players were kind of even scared to talk to Andy. So... You know, uh, I, I really don't put a lot of stock into this whole thing. Uh, Chip Kelly, he wins games. He's won everywhere he's been. So how big of an issue can it really be? Well, yeah, and this is like for, for people to kind of have 
And Ben, I don't know if you feel the same way, but for people that have this take on he doesn't communicate well with his players, when last year, I mean, isn't he the one that was saying, I wish we had no doors on the you know, anywhere if it didn't break fire code because I want you to be just as comfortable with who you are in the locker room as you are out and all this other stuff and blah, 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 blah. And on top of that, there's like a thousand assistant coaches to, you know, make sure everybody's doing what they're doing. If anybody has questions, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't understand where all of this is coming from. And if it's to, based on two players' mouths, I, something, I mean, it's really stupid to talk to uh, talking about. I think that with what Boykin said and just the way he said it relative to it, like how LaShawn McCoy said it, I think that there can be like a legitimate concern in terms of there's a communication problem in the locker room between maybe the coach, uh, between Chip Kelly and some of the players where they're just not really connecting. And then there's this miscommunication like Boykin very well could have felt uncomfortable. And I I think it's important that we don't dismiss the, the possibility that he's uncomfortable, but there's also the mystery behind the intention of like how, like where he, where that uncomfortability is coming from, because you know, we know that Chip is, I mean, to, we know to an extent that Chip is just a very strange guy and that he's very, very into football. Um, and that inability to really connect outside of just football, you know, that could make some players uncomfortable, especially younger players. Uh, but at the same time, I think that Boykin getting traded was completely independent of any personal feelings that Chip may have had for him. I mean, it had to do with the fact that the team added four defensive backs over the course of this offseason. They had Nolan Carroll waiting in the wings, who is a free agent in the previous offseason. And they, they want to get bigger at defensive back that, you know, that's been the, the thing since Chip Kelly got here, you know, his first year, he wants to get bigger at every defensive position, you know, Brandon Boykin, if he was on the roster in Seattle, when Pete Carroll rolled in, he would have gotten traded. If he was on the roster in green Bay, uh, when Mike McCarthy got uh, rolled in, he would have gotten traded because they want big defensive backs. Uh, and the issue comes from uh, Boykin, you know, having shown that he's a good player um, but still conflicting with the the playing philosophy. It's just kind of hard for people to stomach that a player like that would get traded. But the fact of the matter is the scheme is the scheme and how they want to play football is how they want to play football. Uh, and he just didn't fit into that on the field. And that's why he got traded. They saw value in trading him uh, because they didn't really want to see him on the field because of his size, which I don't necessarily agree with. But if you're not going to put him on the field, then absolutely you trade a player like that uh, because it doesn't make sense to just kind of let them walk. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's my issue with the whole thing. And, and and I think that I think that people would have a lot less issue of this. And this is just kind of how it all works. If Kelly, you know, has done something like if Belichick did something like this, people would have been like, oh, well, this is Belichick doing this. You know, he has Super Bowl rings and everything like that. Like we trust what Belichick is doing. But because Kelly's still in his you know building phase and because he hasn't really won anything yet and because he's done so many brash moves you know it's people are just you know very very quick to say this is a stupid move and dismiss it so i i i think that people are just kind of being unreasonable looking at this whole thing from the outside yeah and that's where i guess i you know me and ben kind of go back disagree on on what exactly his ceiling could have been here or really anywhere and if you're going to the steelers sorry man that's not going to work <laughs> he's I I don't believe that he's got enough skill and all that stuff to really be a great CB on the outside, all that other stuff. And just like Ben touched on, Steelers are you know they they're the Super Bowl gods. Uh, so anything they do always gets looked at as in a positive light. Same thing that you saw when Seattle picked up Kerry Williams. Oh, it's a really smart pickup for them. 
But again, Baltimore tried to tell us, eh, it's not that good. Then we're trying to tell them, eh, it's not that good. And it's just, you know, it, it just seems an, an ongoing thing with that. And I, you know, Patrick, I'm going to get your thoughts too. I, it's still just, I, why the hell? I mean, he played 42% of the snaps last year. He didn't look that great last year. And we're going to upset on, on what a, a slot corner's feelings are? Isn't there a theme here other than race to begin with? These are all Howie and Andy guys. He wants to, a new GM's taking over. I mean, are we supposed to jump to the conclusion that, oh, it, you know what, uh, Brandon Marshall, it, it may or may, it's a ridiculous as me saying Brandon Marshall got traded. It might be for racial reasons, but we'll never know. Like, that's that's some of the logic that I continue to hear, and I don't know how you feel one way or another about this whole thing. Yeah, I think Brandon had an interesting point when he brought up the quote about Jason Kelsey talking uh, about Andy saying that that he felt like a lot of the the younger players especially had a hard time relating to Andy. Um, but yeah, I think there might really be something there. I think Andy was kind of seen as a player's coach, maybe a little bit more approachable. I really think it comes down to Chip Kelly is just kind of aloof. And I think that a lot of players, I, well, I, I could see a lot of players having an issue with that or feeling like there's something wrong with the coach or maybe feeling like the coach had a feeling about them. And if you compound that with the fact that a guy like Brandon Boykin is thinking to himself, you know, I'm good. Why am I not playing more? I could see how it could, how it could be an issue, especially if, you know, we're not talking about Boykin came in last year and thought he was going to play and then didn't, and then got traded. I mean, he's been on this team since 2012 and he's still waiting for that chance to play on the outside. He's just now this week getting that opportunity. So he's probably extremely frustrated and, 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 you know, you get a quote from him, you know, minutes after he's finally traded. I, I, I get it. And I think that, um, you know, part of the reason people are a little upset is because that he is, he was, he, he is not Deshaun Jackson. He is not LaShawn McCoy. I mean, he's a much more thoughtful, well, you know, well intentioned, I don't know, kind of guy. And I think that people were surprised by those comments, but you know, football is an emotional game. And, and I, I think that, you know, these comments, you know, they were what they were for the moment. And, and that's why I think he clarified the next day. And, and when he clarified, took race out of the equation. Yeah. And I, I, um, well, I don't know if it, but it didn't for, that's what I'm saying. It didn't for the landscape of people. Once you say it, you know, then he's like, always oh, just saying it to, you know, to protect himself and to not be that guy and all that other stuff. So it's in the air there. And it's, I don't think that's, that's really ever going to go away. That's a, but that's, you know, just an ongoing issue that I don't think we can solve in a, you know, a 30 to 45 minute podcast and what goes and what's going on. But I will say this, and, and Patrick touched on that too, is just, yeah, I, I, I think there there a lot of these guys saying, I, I'm LaShawn McCoy. What the hell are you doing? How the fuck are you trading LaShawn McCoy? I'm the fucking man. Same with Deshaun Jackson. How would you, how are you just going to go cut me, you motherfucker? Like, da, da, da. And you try and like corral some former reason. Boykin the same way with, you know, hey, I am, I can play on the outside. Uh, but, but again, even, not even 2013, I mean, you had Rock Carmichael and, you know, Curtis Marsh and <laughs> guys like that. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Year by year, players improve, things change. But guys, there's no, even if you're upset about this thing, that's some of the team sodium shit here too. It's just like, oh, this is completely idiotic. Look, they got they got value for a guy that they're not going to use, and they got they traded uh you know a running back with a huge salary on a complete decline. Who, by the way, 
can't practice today because of the same toe injury from last year. And you bring in a, a, a hopefully a rookie superstar linebacker that is cheap. So all these things are just football moves here. That's my option. I know Brandon doesn't want to say he can't completely dismiss it. I feel like I can completely dismiss this thing because it's just not logical. I mean, if it continues to happen and somebody like that's on the team now is like, hey, you know, he's not communicating. He's not doing this all this stuff. I just don't buy it from the way he op- this whole thing operates. This is this simply is is a big changeover. Nobody knows exactly how to approach it, but this happens with every single GM in the NFL, and I hope we can kind of put that to rest as far as preseason goes. So I I don't know, uh, but it's a uh, you know heavy things, and we want to keep talking about about fun football, all that good stuff. So hopefully that can kind of die out and rest. But BLG, uh, yeah, final thoughts here as we're rolling out, bud. Oh, man, final thoughts already. Uh, I wasn't ready to end the show. It's It's been such a good show. We should we should do this more often. Yes. Um, do it every here's day. my final thought. Uh, BGN Radio is the only Eagles podcast around, so I'm glad you're all <laughs> listening to it. Uh, I kind of talked about this in a post I had on the site, but this team is really large, and I mean that in – in like a, I mean, I don't really know how I mean that. They're just a really large football team, and like when they're the they tallest practice, roster in the NFL on yes. average. Yeah, and if they're not tall, they're just kind of like. I mean, we saw like Josh Huff walking around, and he looked like a bodybuilder, and then like Ryan Matthews and and uh, Demarco Murray just look like like superhero villains. It's just kind of it's just kind of crazy to see these guys like on. I I've, I've been going to Eagles camp for four years, and I've never seen a football team like this. Um. And when they practice, it's just really physical and intimidating. And this, this team is it's really exciting. And I keep on saying this every show that like I'm really excited for the season and and seeing everyone play yesterday, especially Jordan Matthews. I think this team and this offense is going to be really, really hard to deal with, with for other teams. Uh, so one thing I do want to caution as we kind of continue along with training camp here, uh, just remember that. At this point, we haven't even had a single preseason game. So if the defense doesn't look as good as you're hoping or the quarterbacks aren't looking as good as you're hoping or the d- offensive line looks a little shaky, uh, don't worry. We still have a month before the games start counting. And even then, they're going to probably win some games even if they're not all the way where they need to be. So I would just say uh, enjoy camp. Enjoy the fact that football is pretty much back at this point. And... Uh, yeah, and keep listening to BGN Radio. Comment and subscribe. Absolutely. Uh, just to echo what Patrick was saying, especially with like you know, defense usually has an advantage in training camp because they're you know they're they're not learning much, and you have you have a ton of a ton of new guys to install here, kind of on offense. So and a dude that's coming off of you know a year and a half of not not, not being able to play quarterback. So there's going to be a lot of rust and, and all that good stuff there, but. Yeah, Eric Rowe, I'd definitely appreciate if I could hear your name just once, though, buddy. I'm really looking forward to all that stuff. But, uh, uh, of course, uh, more BGN Radio, more BGN Twiff uh, coming your way this week as we're going to get into what we learned from training camp, quarterbacks, and all that good stuff. You can hear myself and Chris Stuber this Saturday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. on 97.5 The Fanatic. And the following weekend, we'll both be uh, there Saturday and Sunday, 8 a.m. to noon. Both days. So for myself, John Barchard, for Mr. Brandon Lee Gout and Ben Natan and Mr. Patrick Wall, thank you very much for listening to BGN Radio, episode number 103, right here, bleedinggreennation.com and libertybroadcast.com. Thanks, guys. 
You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.